Here in the Positive Property Channel, we talk about property investing, but there's a lot more to property and business, a lot more to everything than investing, and leadership is important in lots of areas of your life. The big question is this, how are investors like us who weren't born with a silver spoon, successfully investing in property to create a passive income and still have a lifestyle now? That is the question. This podcast will give you the answers. I'm George Markoski, and welcome to the Positive Property Show. Our mission is to empower 10,000 people to create financial freedom through property using the Markoski method. Join us. Hi there, George Markoski, Positive Property, and welcome to the Positive Property Show. And I'm really excited to introduce Kim Huin here. And um, Kim Huin is the founder of We Teach Me. And um, he's an entrepreneur and the founder of We Teach Me, a marketplace for class and workshops. And I, basically, back in 2016, We Teach Me officially became the biggest school in Australia. And, um, you know, that's pretty impressive, Kim. So welcome to the show, Kim. Thank you, George. And I must say, you are the first person on the planet that's pronounced my last name correctly. So, <laughs> so well done. <laughs> I appreciate that. I'm glad I got the practice in, it's, and it's a great surname. You know, who win? I love it. So, you know, now, so Kim, <laughs> who wins? <laughs> we, we do. <laughs> so, Kim, today, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about education, mm. mentorship, business, but mainly we're going to talk about leadership because yes. a lot of people forget that part, and leadership is such an important thing. And, um, you know, here in the Positive Property Channel, we talk about property investing, but there's a lot more to property and business, a lot more to everything than investing. And leadership is important in lots of areas of your life. So, how? I mean, obviously, you're a founder and you've gone through, I'd like to hear a bit about your journey about how you started your business and, you know, how leadership helped. Can you tell, tell us more about yourself? Absolutely. And before I start, George, I'm curious, what does leadership mean to you? We, we, we're talking about leadership today, but I want to understand a bit more what comes to mind when you hear that word. Look, I mean, there's this old thing that you see, and I've seen this thing where there's a picture of the pharaoh, and you've got the old style leadership, a guy with a whip at the back whipping him. <laughs> and then you've got the other leadership where the guy's at the front pulling him. And I think it's neither of those two. <laughs> I think, ah. I think it's a mixture of both because right. as, a, as a leader, you know, if you're a general, you can't go on the front line and fight. That's just stupid, right? <laughs> but also, as a leader, you can't just sit in your ivory tower. So I think um, there's, you've got to have the connection with the people, but you also need to, as a leader, have a big vision and really drive right. that vision and be able to delegate and do that. So I think it's about bringing out the best in people. Love that. Uh, well, in terms of that as the context, so I started uh, with my co-founders, We Teach Me, a uh, long, long time ago. Gosh, I think it would been it's nearly 10 years now. And when we created that website, uh, we, or personally myself and my best friend, uh, who's also my co-founder, we watched the Facebook movie, which had come out at that time. And it was, it was exciting and there was a lot of press and hurrah around it because it was the first time that the Facebook story was coming out on the big screen. Mm -hmm. And we watched this story and we, we looked at each other and said, if that's what Mark Zuckerberg created in two hours, imagine what we can create in a few months. So we created that uh, We Teach Me and for the, we were so excited on launch day, we, we launched the, the website online and then we, we were expecting a big rush of people to come and then we heard crickets mm -hmm. and we said, oh, well, 
maybe maybe people won't come today, but maybe they'll come tomorrow. Tomorrow comes crickets. Maybe not today, maybe the day after. And we went on like this for months and months and months. And at around the six to 12 month mark, we said something's not right. Uh, we need to talk to someone who can help us and reached out to my mentors at the time. Uh, and I remember the day I came into his office at the University of Melbourne, we sat down and uh, I unloaded everything that happened. I said, Mark did this in two hours and we spent nearly six months and nothing's happened, what went wrong? And he looked at me, he thought for a little bit, uh, tapped his pen on the table and he's, he asked me one question which still haunts me to this day, George. Uh, he asked me, Kim, how did your customer development process go? And I looked at him with this strange look on my eyes and I said, what do you mean? What's customer development? And he said, Kim, when you build something, it must solve an emotional and an actual pain point that someone has. How many potential customers did you sit down and talk to before you started designing and developing this product? And I felt so ashamed and so embarrassed, George. And I looked back at him and I said, no, I didn't talk to anyone. I just created what I thought people would want. Uh -huh. And that's where the problem lay. And so we came to a decision point as founders where we said, we just have to scrap everything and start all over again. And let me tell you, George, that was an incredibly painful decision to make Pushed because we lost work. Like that. Oh my God. All that work. Just. Yeah, talking about throwing the, the baby in out of the uh, throwing the baby in the bathtub with the dirty water out the window. That's literally that's what it was. Because when we create something, we infuse our soul and our spirit and our energy and our values into it. And to watch that year of work essentially go to waste, uh, that was very painful and a very painful lesson to learn. And we wanted to make sure that when we went back, uh, we didn't make that same mistake again. And so we interviewed nearly a hundred potential customers. Apparently you're only supposed to do about 20 when you do the customer development process. We, we said, we're never gonna get this wrong again in our lives. We interviewed about a hundred customers. And then when we launched the second version of the platform, that's when things started to work. Yep. Okay, so that's the background. That's the scene that has been set. We've launched We Teach Me second time around and we're starting to get a bit of traction because we know that there's a bit of product, uh, product market fit. We know that the, the software that we've created solves a practical and an emotional pain point for a lot of our customers. Okay, now the business is starting to work. We're starting to sign on clients. We're starting to get people go to the website to book all these classes and workshops, anything from pottery to painting to dancing, you name it, we had it. And then what I realized was that we had a leadership problem. And when I say we had a leadership problem, I mean, I had a leadership problem. The business was signing up customers. It was getting customer support queries. Everything felt broken all the time. All the systems and processes didn't work. Uh, I felt like I was putting out fires constantly. Uh, during the next few years, I burned out three or four times without even knowing I was burning out. I started getting anxiety. I started getting panic attacks. And I felt like I had created with my business partners something which had outgrown my capacity to look after it, to run it, to manage it and to grow it. And that's when I stumbled upon the, the next learning with one of my mentors, which is this idea that the business will never outpace the leader. The business will never outpace the leader. And at that point, I put up my hand and I said, I need help. I need to learn 
more I need to equip myself with the tools, systems and processes so that I can be the most effective and impactful leader I can be so that then my business can grow. And let me tell you, George, the journey that I've been on in the last 10 years has been nothing short of incredible. It's been life-changing, not only for me, but also for the people around me, for my community and for my family. And this is where I think the magic of leadership really lies. It's the, the, the transformative impact it can have on everything, everything. Wow, that sounds amazing. Look, a lot of courage, to, you know, after all that work, because I, I see that in our in our work, because uh, lots of times people come and join our program and what they've done is they've got one or two properties they've bought that just don't work, but they keep throwing bad, bad money after good because they can't emotionally let go after all their effort. And even a lot of businesses where they get to a certain point, um, being able to let go of your ego and just cut the past loose so you can really do something properly takes a lot of courage and a lot of foresight, which is brilliant, you know. And um, I, have, I have an example because a lot of people just really hold on to it. And it's like, you know, if you're walking towards the shop and it's 10 Ks away and at 7 Ks, you realize it's closed, are you going to keep walking towards it? No, <laughs> but, a lot of, but a lot of people do though. You know what I mean? Which is funny. So tell me, so leadership, tell me how did leadership transform your business and what did it actually do? I'm curious about that. And what does leadership mean? Although the examples that you shared before, George, uh, they, they hit close to home, they resonate with me. And I must say that for me, part of leadership is knowing when to push forward, but also when to let go. Mm -hmm. Because we, we met a few months ago and uh, I shared with this, you this idea that as a leader, I believe that the highest compliment a leader can ever receive is to know that they're no longer needed in their business, for example. I think that's literally the highest compliment a leader can receive. And in terms of how it's transformed my business, which I believe is your original question, it's given me the tools uh, to navigate the difficulties that arise, not if they arise, but when they arise. Uh, it's given me the tools to do that. It's given me the wisdom to step back and to approach the problems and the challenges with grace and the learnings with grace. And it's also given me humbleness. I think that's the, the right word. Uh, the ability to be humble in really knowing that the problems that I face aren't unique. Uh, I won't be the first problem. Uh, I won't be the first person to encounter that problem and I won't be the last. And so it's allowed me to be humble enough to find the people that have experienced those problems before and to reach out to them and be vulnerable, be open and be vulnerable and learn from their experiences and really take the key learnings that they've had and apply it to my life. That's excellent. And look, I'm a big fan of that because, um, you know, I, I teach people how to create financial freedom through property. Mm. However, I still say to people that the biggest investment you can make is not property. It's actually yourself. hundred oh, percent. Because you are the key to your life because from when you're born to until you die, there's only one thing constant in your life and that's you. And, you know, parents, siblings, partners, everything else come and go. But there's one person, that person in the mirror, that man in the mirror or woman in the mirror. That's the one thing you're constant. And so, therefore, I really think the first investment, invest in yourself. And what you're talking about before about mentors, you know, I think um, having the courage and lowering your um, ego to be able to get mentors and learn from their mistakes instead of making those stupid mistakes yourself is very powerful. 
And I'm a, I'm a big fan of that because I really, you know, I read, I read a book recently by Dan Sullivan, Who Not How. I don't know if you heard of that book. Mm, Amazing. Love that book. It's a great book and it's really changed my thinking. And I've actually got it as a screensaver on my phone. And because <laughs> you know, I'm, whenever there's a problem, most people think how, and they get involved in that. However, all of us have got our zone of genius and one mm. thing we're good at, we enjoy doing and being able to um, outsource or get experts in to, to do the things they do well is so important, but it takes, like you said, it takes um, realizing you're not special. You know, and mm. that, that brings me back to Buddha. I mean, I, um, I recently read The Subtle Art of Not Giving a F-U-C-K by Mark <laughs> Mansoon. I don't know if you've read that book. <laughs> and when I first read the book, I was really triggered <laughs> with all the swearing and everything. I was like, who the hell does this guy think he is, right? Because I thought I was special. And, but then I reread it again. And I love the way he's just re-explained Buddha's teaching. And mm. one thing I got out of that is you are not special. Your problems aren't special at all because everyone else and once you realize you're ordinary and realize your problems aren't special it actually gets rid of your problems in a way doesn't it because it gets rid of the pain well uh george i like to look at it uh like this we are all special uh, we are special but just like everyone else <laughs> i love that that is, that is good i might have to um borrow that because that's excellent. Uh, feel free <laughs> that one's free Fantastic. george you talk about mentors and i'm curious who has been a transformative mentor for you and what has been your biggest learning from this person? Look, I really think the Buddha. That's, I've been reading the Buddha's story, Buddha's life and realizing I'm not special and being learning about being grateful and thankful before anything else has mm. probably been the number one thing I've done in my life out of everything. Because before that, whether it was in business or personal life or investing, you know, little things would get in the way and I would get upset about it. Mm. Right? And when you're emotionally upset about something, it's not really, you're not in your best way of dealing with things. Mm. And when you just accept things and sit back and realize that nothing's special, you can tackle things a lot better. And mm. makes life a lot easier. You know, I just find life is a breeze now. And now that I've gone through that stage, I can see other people and they're like, they're driving in the road and someone cuts in front of them. They're like, oh my God, I'm so angry. But really nothing's personal at all, you know? So that's one thing. But also I, I, I'm, a, I'm into Stoic philosophy, philosophy. So I love all the teaching of the Stoics and I really enjoy the way they see life and things like that. I'm not into... You know, sleeping on the ground, <laughs> going around barefoot all the time because you know the Stoics are into really minimization. I'm still into having fun, but I love the Stoic philosophy. Mm, got it, got it. It's like what you said with leadership. It's neither one end of the spectrum, but it's really where do you sit on that spectrum and how do you apply that into your life? Mark Manson, I think uh, he's uh, he's given you a lot of blessings in your life. It sounds like it, George. Look, um, I, I really think the way interpreted it was really good because you know you can hear the same message over and over and unfortunately until you're ready to receive it or you receive the right way that's when you get it because mm. you know? it's funny because um you know i do i do a live every wednesday night on our in our group in our facebook group australian property chat and there's people that have been following me for years 
Mm. And some people, after five years, they hear me say something and then they reach out and go, George, I need to invest in property. And after they join our program, they're like, God, I wish I did this 20 years ago. I can't believe I was holding back. But I said, you just weren't ready. It doesn't matter because it's a matter of just sooner or later, it clicks. Mm. I think about that a lot. I often think about, as I reflect on my my journey over the last 10 years, and I think there's so many wonderful learnings and people have come into my life. And I kind of wonder if I'd come to that earlier, where would I be now? But I also think you're right. I think when the student is ready, then the teacher appears. And I really do believe that. And I also think that better late than never. Now, I'm just kind of looking in the brief time that I've known you, George, and our interactions in the past and today, you come across to me as someone so passionate, loud, passionate. And then on the other hand, you talk about removing the ego and being a bit more laid back and just not taking things to heart. Now, I'm quite curious, how, how do you how do you go from one to the other? They, they seem like opposite ends of the spectrum to me. I don't think they're opposite. I think um, letting, you, letting go of ego, because uh, I think um, what I look, and a lot of people think ego is big, loud, successful people, right? But mm. ego is actually not quite that. I've been looking into ego, and sometimes you've got people like that. You know, people are cocky and things like that. And when I was younger, I was very cocky and loud and egocentric. But... Ego's um, a willingness not to accept that you are the cause of everything in your life. And most people that have got ego are actually quite poor. Because what happens is, because they're not willing to learn from their mistakes, they keep blaming everything else. Because when you say, oh, well, it wasn't my fault, and blame everyone else, that's really ego speaking. Mm. At the end of the day, you can't progress in life unless you're willing to learn lessons from when you make mistakes. And being able to learn from your mistakes is what I consider lack of ego. And I think that is one of the most important things you can have because you can't become more unless you learn from your mistakes. Mm. And the problem is when you've got ego, you're scared of making a mistake. You don't want to admit you make a mistake. And therefore you keep justifying why you're right, but you never get anywhere because mm. no one became successful by getting it right over and over again. They became successful by getting it wrong and learning and getting it wrong and learning, getting it wrong and learning. And, you know, I think it's like comparing the two types of, um, let's say you've got two people that want to become famous singers. Mm -hmm. You've got one guy, he's got a big ego, and he's, gonna, he's writing this perfect song, and he's spending day after day, but he doesn't want anyone to see it, doesn't want to release sort of anything until it's perfect. He spent 10 years writing this song, and finally in 10 years he releases it. Then you've got this other guy, he writes a song, plays it in public, does it again, and keeps writing different songs and keeps failing, now, who's going to be better after 10 years? Second one, I would think. Absolutely. The guy that wrote the perfect song that's never released to the public and just released it in 10 years' time, it's going to be a flop. because he's had I'm, great. I'm glad I answered that question correctly. <laughs> he's, had no, he's had no feedback. It'd be like, you know, if you want to learn how to play tennis, you can't learn playing tennis at home. Mm. You have to play against other people. So I think with all that sort of stuff, you know, and yes. it's interesting. I mean, you got We Teach Me, and one of the biggest growing industries in the world is actually online education. It's mm -hmm. huge. Mm -hmm. And I've noticed um, COVID has ex accelerated a lot of this. And it's a, there was a lot of trends that were happening in the world. And then we got hit by COVID, and suddenly it went times 10 
and you know people are doing it online and i mean i even transformed my business because i used to do you know one day workshops and get people in and you know mm. but now during COVID, i couldn't do that so mm. i created the online sort of training like a 14 day challenge and now i'm finding it's working so well i don't even have to do mm. the live stuff anymore it's um, amazing so it really transformed everything and i think there's gonna be two types of people that come out of COVID. one type's gonna say wow because of COVID." my life sucks and everything's shit. Or the other person is going to say, because of COVID or despite COVID, I've actually improved as a person and changed my business or changed my life. And now things are better. Mm, love that. I, I love especially what you said there, George. I really do believe this in this idea that uh, how, you, how you, the way you look at the world is how, you, uh, the way you see the world is how is your world. Yes. Yeah, I really do believe that. And uh, it seems like such a simple idea, but I think the way you look at the world, the way you perceive the world is how you live your world. Um, That's and, uh, yeah. right. Um, but the thing is, I mean, a lot of people don't realise that where every business challenge or work challenge or personal challenge is really a challenge in yourself. Mm. And that's the thing. And But you, what you said is how you see the world exactly. Do you know, are you familiar with Jim Rohn? No, tell me about uh, this. Jim Rohn, um, he was one of the original, um, one of my original mentors um, in life. Um, unfortunately, he's passed away now, but he used to he used to do sales training and business training, but he was more of a philosopher. Mm. And he'd explain um, things through philosophy, and it was amazing. And he's the guy that coined the phrase, the five people you surround yourself, the average income is going to be your income. The oh. average health is going to be your average health. All that sort of thing, because the five. I like that. And Jim Rohn coined that phrase, so he's quite, you know. And Jim Rohn sort of said, "Look, and this comes back to education." He goes, "If you want to get more than what you've got, you have to become more than what you are." There's no other way. Makes sense. Yes. Right. And he tells a story about this uh, two shoe salespeople back in the olden days, going from city to city, and they go to the city gates, and one of them comes in and goes, "Hi, how are you?" And he goes, oh, you know, just curious, what are the people like here? Um, you know, are they really easy to deal with? Do they buy lots of shoes or are they really hard? He goes, what was the last town like? He goes, oh, they were terrible. He goes, yeah, the same here. Next guy comes and he asks the gate person the same thing. He goes, well, what were they like in the last place? He goes, oh, they're amazing. He goes, oh, same here. And it just reiterates that um, the way they see it, that's the way they created their reality. Yes. Love that. J Jim. I, George, I've actually heard of that story before, but I never knew who uh, was the author of that story. But now I know. Thank you for that. Yeah, Jim, and, uh, he's a classic. Um, love that. I got to meet him um, in Sydney um, once, so it was really cool. He used to sit at the podium, that. drinking his can of Coke. <laughs> very old school, very old school. These days, they'd be having a cow juice, wouldn't they, or something like that. <laughs> um, almond, uh, almond milk, I think that's the, uh, <laughs> the drink of choice lately. Mm -hmm, absolutely so so what role have mentors played in you know your business success and i'm curious you know where did you start your business where did it get to what you know i um i truly believe in this idea that our time here our lives are so short mm -hmm. and our times are limited uh, uh you know when i was uh interning at a law firm uh, the managing partner who was looking after me said to me, Kim, you're going to look in the mirror, blink, and then one day you'll be 60 years old and you'll wonder where that time went. 
and I do, I do believe that our time is short. And because our time is short, I believe that we do not have the luxury of time to make every single mistake there is to make. You talk about making mistakes before and learning from that. So mm-hmm. I, I agree with that. And I also believe that we don't have enough time to make every single mistake. Uh, that's why I believe in the power of mentorship and having mentors, especially people who have achieved what you want to achieve, learning from them, learning from their experience, uh, learning from their wisdom. It's a shortcut to where I want to get to. And I sat down with some of mine recently. Mm -hmm. Uh, When I say recently, I mean about two years ago. (laughs) I think uh, COVID and lockdown has uh, changed my perception of time. But I sat down with all of them. And as uh, I was sitting around the table, I remember feeling incredibly nervous, George. I was was going to speak and they were all sitting there and they were all looking at me saying, Kim, why have you gotten us here? And what do you want to say? And I wanted to make sure that the next words that came out of my mouth were impactful and uh, just got to the heart of the matter as quickly as possible. So I'm sitting there and I'm tapping my fingers on the table and I open my mouth to speak and then the words kind of stop midway, you know, that feeling that you have. And then I swallow. I'm like, oh God, okay, I'm going to stuff this up. I'm going to stuff this up. Let's try again, round two. So I I open my mouth again and again, the words come out, but they get stuck in my mouth and I, I, I take a moment to pause. And I think that's okay. Kim, you got this. Open my mouth again, attempt number three, that does the trick. And I say that all of them looking them in the eye, I say, I feel keenly how your lives have changed the arc of mine. I feel keenly how your lives have changed the arc of mine. And I meant with absolute sincerity, each and every single word, because by virtue of their existence and their willingness to be open and vulnerable and share with me their learnings, uh, I felt like they had changed the trajectory of my own life. And for that, I am forever grateful. And they all hold a special place in my heart. And that for me, George, is the power of mentorship because I came to them for business advice and business learnings. But what they have given me is uh, tools and leadership uh, experiences that I have taken into my own life, my own community, my own family, and the impact has been transformative. Wow, amazing. That That's a beautiful story. I love um, the way you describe that. Look, I mean, you're a mentor now as well. I mean, I came to one of your classes in the EO and, um, you know, you're exceptional. You're really good at what you do. Oh, and the way, the way you explain things was just perfect. So I've done that subject before with other mentors and it wasn't the same. And um, you seriously know your stuff. And I find, um, you know, when you get a mentor that actually has done what you want to do, that's the key. You know, because the thing is, a lot of people get the wrong mentor. And that's the one thing, you know, choose the right mentor because, you know, you really want to look at that mentor and say, are they doing what I want them to do? Like, for example, mm. um, I've, I work out, I've got a personal trainer. Now, my personal trainer, he's got a six pack, he's ripped. Because <laughs> you know, I wouldn't get a personal trainer that had a bad back and was overweight. <laughs> because that'd just be stupid. But also, I mean, this is what surprised me a lot. Because um, when, it, when it comes to mentoring, you know, wealth creation, you know, I've retired in my 30s and I've done it and I've done my stuff and, but I don't wear a suit or anything else like that. I work from home and I'm pretty relaxed. And a lot of people are like, oh, George, you know, you don't, you know, you don't wear a suit. You're not in the office. Don't know if I want to deal with you. I'm like, but why would you want to go to a financial planner that does 80 hours a week sitting in an office and doesn't know how to create financial freedom? That's the worst place to go to. 
just because they got a degree in it. You want someone that actually has got the lifestyle you want if you want that lifestyle. Because if someone can't do it for themselves, it's going to be hard to help you do it as well. I agree. I, I tend to look at it, think of it this way, George, that whoever I go to for mentorship or learnings uh, has to be someone that has achieved what I want to achieve because theory is easy and very accessible. Google is fantastic. You can find the theories and frameworks for any single thing that you want. YouTube is wonderful in terms of content, but the quality is a little bit different when someone has lived the experience and someone has gone through the pain and gone through the learnings and has achieved what they want to achieve. And I can bring this uh, concept a little bit to life. I remember with We Teach Me in the early days, we, we came across this uh, a piece of advice that said, you need a marketing plan, you need a go-to-market strategy on how you're going to acquire customers. You gotta need, you gotta know what your cost of acquisition is and what your, your dropout rate is and how long on average people stay as a customer. And we're thinking, oh my God, we don't have any of these things and we start panicking. And then, so we'd reach out to people and then ask for advice. And then the first person would give us advice. And the second person would give us advice that was contradictory to the first advice. Mm -hmm. And then the third person would give their two cents. And uh, after going through about five or six people, we'd be even more confused than when we started out. And that's when I cottoned on to the fact that actually the only opinion that really matters in the room is the opinion of someone who has achieved what I want to achieve. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I learned that, the no it cut out so much noise straight away, George. So I, I strongly believe in this concept that you're talking about. Absolutely. Um, so you've got the biggest school in Australia. Like, wow. And you probably don't have a building that people go into. It's all online, isn't it? Yeah. Pretty it's, cool. Are well, you, you guys going in overseas as well or expanding or what's going on there? Well, the, the online market is, uh, I think, an exciting place for us. Traditionally, we've only hosted face-to-face uh, -face classes in person. And the website uh, was really essentially a marketplace that brought together the suppliers, uh, uh, the suppliers, which we call the vendors and the consumers or people who want to get, attend these classes. And we just facilitated that uh, uh, connection and we facilitated all the information sharing when are the classes run, how much do the tickets cost. We facilitated the booking process and then we automate a lot of the confirmations and the reminders, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. As soon as COVID hit, uh, we, we said, okay, we need to uh, evolve the business to facilitate online streaming of classes as well. So Zoom, Facebook Live, Instagram Live, et cetera. And as we move into the future, uh, having the ability to do both, I think is fascinating. Uh, and I think puts us in a very strong, a stronger position, I would say. And for me, learning is something which is near and dear to my heart. Uh, one of the values of my family is learning. Uh, specifically, actually, I went through the values exercise with my family yesterday, and the 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 value that we have, the wording we use is, "What did you learn?" Question mark. Uh huh. What did you learn? Question mark. And so when uh, when I started, we teach me with my business partners uh, the concept of increasing knowledge in our communities, the number of classes taught, creating software that democratized education creating software that allowed people to increase their capacity of knowledge transfer. Uh, this was a no brainer for me. And uh, the fact that we can scale the number of classes that we have available at any given time without much needed input from the management team, I think is fantastic. 
and something near and dear to my heart. Yeah, there we go. There's a tie-in into your podcast of <laughs> your interview, learning. Yes, exactly. Look, um, I um, I, I love that that we live in a world where there's so much information and so much yes. of knowledge. We're so fortunate because you know, hundred years ago, or even before that, before everyone, you know, a lot of people couldn't even read at one stage. Mm. It made it very difficult, and now you know, knowledge is increasing so much faster, accelerating. And it's made the world a better place. I mean, I personally think, I mean, a millennial is probably smarter than their parents or the other people because they've got access to everything on their smartphone. You know, um, I think um, we're very fortunate to live in this time. And pretty soon we're getting the third world joining, getting on the internet. And there's going to be another billion or two billion people on the internet, which is going to increase the knowledge even more. And all that diversity of different people now on the internet is creating more interesting things. It's great. Absolutely. Uh, we are not short of content and knowledge. I think the trick now is knowing who to go to or where to go for good content and good knowledge. And that speaks to our discussion earlier about mentors. Really, everyone's got an opinion, but the only opinion that matters is the one that's lived the experience and has achieved what you want to achieve. Kim, I think you've described a, a new challenge that some business is going to solve one day because that is the biggest challenge because you can go online, you can Google you know, how to do this and you can get all these YouTube videos and blogs and everything else like that. And the big challenge now is not the information, but how to sift through it and find the right information. You know, yes. which changed a lot. So I think um, there's an opportunity there for someone there to do that. I think once AI comes in, it's going to make life easier, you know, because once you've got your little AI assistant, it'll know you really well and know what's going to work for you, your criteria and things like that. You know, it's pretty exciting stuff happening at the moment. I think so. It's funny you mentioned that because my uh, my brain was pinging as well, just as I was <laughs> we're talking about this thing. Oh, I wonder if there's a business opportunity there in curating the best, <laughs> best content. <laughs> Exactly. I think, um, you know, some sort of rating system and some sort of, you know, some sort of algorithm, a bit like Netflix saying, oh, you like this next. That could work in your program as well, I suppose. Because, I mean, if someone joins one program, does do you recommend another one for them or? Oh, what do you, uh, can you ask that question again, well, please? Uh, you've got your online training online. Mm -hmm. Yes. If someone does one program, is it like Netflix saying, okay, you enjoy doing pottery? Next, let's learn. <laughs> you know, what would be the most interesting one is, you know, Netflix when you watch it and you, you go, I'm just going to watch one episode. And yep. then you, you sit on your couch and you finish the episode. And before you can get up, it starts the next episode. So mm -hmm. then you're stuck there in the vortex. And before you know it, you've finished the entire season. <laughs> I know. Look, <laughs> Imagine if learning was like that. I know. It'd be great. Look, I'm a binge watcher. And when I, and what I'm trying to do now with my audio books is I, I listen to quite a few audio books. I read a lot of books every week. And I'm trying to increase the speed. I'm at 1.2 at the moment because um, if I go too fast, I just don't enjoy it. But I'm slowly trying to train myself to listen to things quicker so I can mm. get that information in quicker. I can't wait to we can just download it into our brain like the matrix. Ah, that would be amazing. George, I'm quite curious. We've been talking a lot about learning and leadership uh, today. At what point do you feel that the application is important? Do, do you, for example, split up 50-50, 70-30, 30-70? How do you look at the uh, the knowledge binging and the application? Yeah, look, Kim, that's such a good question because a lot of people get caught up in the learning and not the doing. 
Mm. And, you know, even a poorly, poorly planned, a poor plan executed robustly is going to be better than no plan at all, not doing it. You know what I mean? So I really think massive action, that's what Tony Robbins says, you know, massive action is the key because the learning part, you got, I think you need to know the fundamentals, but if you wait till you know everything, it's never going to happen. It's a bit like waiting for the perfect time to start a business, get married, have kids, or launch a, launch anything. There's never going to be a perfect time for anything. And I think um, action is a very important thing. I'm, I'm very big on action. I'm big on action. So I think imperfect action is much better than inaction any day of the week. Uh, you are very big on action. I, uh, for everyone listening, I ran a session on values and I shared an example video where business values were brought to life. And within two weeks, George had emailed it back and said, look what I created. And George, out of every value session I've facilitated all over the world, you're the only person that's delivered that piece of homework that fast. And I have to commend you on that. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, look, I, I just loved it. I thought this is so great. I need to do it. You know, really enjoyed it. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm very big on action. And I think massive action is the thing that's going to help you. So it's a sort of balance between knowing the right things and but not getting caught up in that. You know, some people, you know, they go to university, they do a degree, then do another degree, and they keep doing degrees. But that's because they're scared of actually doing something in real life. Mm. So I think what happens is when people get caught in education, and I find this happens a lot with property investing, that people get caught up and they're trying to learn how do we do this and how do we do that? And they're trying to learn 50 different strategies. We only need one good strategy. And they keep learning more and buying more courses and learning more and but doing nothing. And mm. part of the reason is deep down, they're scared of failing. And because of that, they're just going to keep learning to save themselves from actually doing it. But the challenge is, until you do something, there's no point. Mm. You've just got to do it. I assume when people are scared of failing, it's due to the perception that the consequences of a wrong decision or a wrong action are enormous? Look, I think, you know, when you look at um, fear, false experience mm. appearing real, that's an acronym, you know what I mean? So mm. fear is a funny thing, but fear, a lot of fear is to do with ego, I think, you know, because we're taught in school not to fail, to always win. And we don't, we don't, we don't celebrate failure. The thing is, if you get out and do it, you're going to fail sometimes. Mm. And, um, you know, it's interesting because I, um, I think that a lot of people regret the things they don't do, not the things they do. Mm. And, um, you know, I, I've, like, for example, I'm moving to Bali in June. Now, I've been always wanting to live summer overseas and come back for summer. Mm. I've always talked about it, but getting ready and moving country is a big thing, you know what I mean? And at the end of the day, I looked at it and it always seemed too hard. But then mm. I thought to myself, one day on my deathbed, am I going to say, I'm so glad that it was too hard and I didn't do it? Or am I going to say, look, I gave it a shot and checked it out and did it. How cool. And I really think um, you want to feel your life experiences, go out there and try things and get out of your comfort zone. But getting out of your comfort zone is one of the hardest things in the world because we've evolved to stay in our comfort zone. And But... I think everything good in your life is a little bit out of your comfort zone. So we're talking really about the leadership of self here, aren't we? Leadership of self, exactly, exactly. 
I think um, you've nailed it because I think it's got something to do with being comfortable being uncomfortable. Mm. That's what getting out of your comfort zone is. Because I recently did an ice bath with a gentleman. Uh, I don't know if you've ever tried that, Kim. Ah, gosh. Yeah, did you do, is this the Wim Hof? Yes. Oh my gosh, I've I've gone through the training uh, and they, I, I question I <laughs> we're talking about leadership of self. <laughs> I did I did a session and I said to the person that facilitated, do you want to explain to everyone listening what the ice bath is before we jump in? So Wim, Wim Hof is a man who's got a record for staying in ice the, the longest. And what they do with the Wim Hof method is they, they teach how to breathe and then you've got a little bath, they put ice in it and it's about four degrees Celsius. That may not sound too cold, but when you get in there, it's a world of pain. You've got pins and needles and cold and hot all going through, and your body's screaming, get the hell out right now. That's in a nutshell. <laughs> well, I don't think I went as far as an ice bath. We were introduced slowly, putting our, dipping our toe into the pool, so to speak, and they said, have cold showers. Right, and okay. I said, you know, I, I, uh, I listened to this, and I think that, okay, I... I I, I will suspend disbelief and I will support the notion that cold showers are good for your health. However, try as I do, every time I turn off the hot water and I put on the cold water, I last half a second before I am out of that shower. <laughs> it's so hard. So tell me, what can I do to stay in the shower longer and experience the full benefit, benefits of cold showers? Absolutely. And the instructor said to me, pretend you're a polar bear. <laughs> pretend you're a polar bear and you love it <laughs> so i went home george i turned on the cold shower the cold water and i'm pumping myself up and i said kim you're a polar bear kim you're a polar bear be the polar bear <laughs> i stepped into the cold water and i lasted not even half a second i'm like kim you're not a polar bear <laughs> Get <out of> it. <laughs> well i'll give you the secret kim anyway because tell me yeah so what happens is this all comes back to and I, i've done the ice bath and when I did the ice bath, I was watching everyone else jumping in and they were like, you could see they were finding it challenging. And I'm thinking, I'm pretty tough. I'm gonna, I've got this. I jump in, I'm like, oh my God. So I'm sitting there <laughs> squeezing as hard as I can and just going, I'm gonna just nut it out. I'm gonna do this. And the instructor's going, George, let go. You can't tough it out. Just let go. But the key is not resisting. So when you're resisting, when you're resisting anything painful, you're actually, expand the pain quite a bit interesting but when you accept it you diminish the pain substantially completely and utterly so if you go to cold shower and you're holding on that's the that's the problem so what needs to happen and what i do is i focus on my breathing i do box breathing so you breathe in count four hold four breathe out four hold four and just keep doing that and what happens is you're counting your breath so it's a bit hard to even notice the coldness and you just accept it. And the more you accept it, the easier it is. But also- mm, I like that. And it really, once now, I can do a cold shower any day of the week. It doesn't- Really? Oh, okay. You know why? After I've done the ice bath, the cold shower feels like nothing. Oh, uh, maybe <laughs> that's what contrast. I need to do. Yeah, because the ice bath is like a, it stretches the, the band, the, what do you call it? The, um, the rubber band. And you've gone out of your comfort zone. So now a lot of things I found painful before, I don't find painful after doing the ice bath. 
it stretched your comfort zone rubber band. It did, it did. And now I can do, you know, so the important part is, so when you go on a cold shower, you start breathing really quick and that's mm. going to make you colder and more painful. But if you just breathe slowly, hold your breath, you won't feel it. You'll be fine. Love that. I'd love I, to know uh, how you go with that, Kim. Yes, I will accept and surrender to being a polar bear. <laughs> and I will let you know how I go. Yeah, well, look, the Buddha said, you know, whenever you, you're wishing for a different state, mm. that is pain. And whenever you accept something, that is the absence of pain. Mm. Whether it's physical or mental, same thing. Otherwise, I like that. Key learning for today. Excellent, excellent. So, yeah, so I suppose, um, you know, we're coming to the end of our show. Any, um, anything else you'd like to tell our audience, you know, about leadership, about um, mentors, anything like that? Well, uh, beyond what we've said, just really to reiterate the point that when I seek to learn from someone, I always seek someone that has achieved what I want to achieve. That has been such a boon to my life. And that learning alone has made such a big difference to my life. And I can't emphasize that point enough. And really, uh, the second point about leadership, which is what we're talking about today, is the understanding that leadership begins and starts with the self. And we've brought this concept alive, I think, through the discussion of the ice baths and the cold showers. And although the details of that, those stories uh, might be fun and we've laughed about and we've talked about in a very casual manner, but really the learning is leadership starts with the self and then from there to others. Excellent, excellent. Kim, look, it's been really good having you on, uh, on our episode today. And I've really enjoyed talking to you and having a good conversation with you. And um, I love your philosophies. They're great. Now, people, um, Kim's got a blog. So if you Google Kim Huyn, H-U-Y-N-H, and Kim is in K-Y-M, you'll be able to find him if you want to go on his blog and connect with Kim. I suggest if, you, if you're into learning, and obviously we've got We Teach Me as well. And um, that's fantastic. So thank you so much for joining us. Guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Look forward to seeing you at our next show next week. Cheers. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. I'm grateful for all our listeners around the world. If you found this podcast valuable, please share with someone that might find this useful. And please join our tribe of purpose-driven investors, increasing income and impact in our Facebook group, Positive Property. Please note, we have a multi-million dollar property portfolio and a passive income. I have become incredibly successful at investing in property. The fact of it is, however, many people may find investing in property challenging. It's not easy. It takes a lot of hard work. However, becoming educated to make an informed decision and having the right advisors gives you the tools you need to succeed. The most important part of this formula, however, is to actually take action and apply that knowledge. It is important to understand the information I share is of a general nature only and is not taking into account your unique circumstances. If you're considering investing in any asset class, you need to seek the advice of an independent professional advisor who will be able to look at your specific situation. Be sure your advisors actually achieve the kind of results you're seeking. Many won't have, so beware. We've taken great care putting those educational resources together. We'd be surprised if you didn't find any errors or omissions. If you do, our legal team says we have to say we're not responsible for those. In fact, as with all things, even your success, we're not responsible. 
That responsibility always has and always will come down to you and the actions you take. We're passionate about supporting you in that process and helping you increase your ability to create wealth, live the life you desire, provide all the things you dream of for you and your family. Thank <laughs> you.